0: We have been in the story time series. We started Daniel last week. We're going to stay in Daniel for a few weeks because if you want a book of the Bible that's loaded with adventure, the book of Daniel is it. All right. There's so many things that happen in short periods of time in the book of Daniel. So grab your Bibles, go to Daniel chapter number two. That's where we're going to take our text today. And we're going to look at um, the story of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. All right, so I'm going to read a lot of scripture because I feel like you got to grab the story, but I'm not going to read everything. I want you to go home and continue reading. You got it? So uh, write it down, Daniel chapter number two. Take your text with me there. And let's read this story. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he could not sleep. Anybody in here ever had a sleepless night? All right, anybody ever in, not needed a dream to keep you up? You had enough on your mind? All right, and, and, and I'm going to tell you this, we're, I'm going to take a different approach to today's sermon delivery. Normally I come in here and I'm, I'm giving you point after point. Today I'm going to take a teaching approach. And, and, and we're going to take this, and if you're in our Monday night class, you see this. This is what we do in our Overcoming Grief class. This is what we do with our teenagers a lot. As you come in and you grab the Bible, and instead of saying, okay, here's the synopsis of the story and let's break it down, you look at the story as it progresses and find the application in your personal life. Um, And I I don't know about you, but um, there's been many times in my life that that I've had sleepless nights due to uh, concerns, worries. And I know we don't like to use that word in the church, but it's real. People do that. As a matter of fact, if I were to ask you today, how many of you have got something that you're... uh, The Christian word is concern. The real word is worry. But how many of you got something that you're concerned about? right now in your life. Maybe it's a person or an event or something you're trying to figure out, something that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Do that one more time. I didn't get to see the balcony. The the bottom was full. All right. Most of the people in the balcony. Um, Literally before I took the stage and I was a little bit distracted, I got a notification on my phone um, that somebody was at my front door and I I look out and there's Lincoln. All right. And so I I know that means he's broke out of the house. And, And so in my mind, immediately I go to that. So in my prayer time, uh, one of our elders, Garrett, always takes me over to my office. That's why I disappear right before service. And, and he'll have prayer over me. And it's, it's, it's a time I very much cherish. Um, but in my prayer time, I shared with him, he said, you seem heavy. He asked me back there. And of course I am. Um, uh, of course I'm a little bit scared right now. And, and, and if I'm not careful, I try to figure things out. We're going through some phases with autism. And my wife gets the brunt of it because I'm gone working a lot. She's at home. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, there's, there's tears shed, there's fears spoken and, and different things that are going on. If, if we look at our lives right now, there's a lot to be concerned about. There's something Nebuchadnezzar did that we need to do. All right, you ready for this? Now, very rarely are you going to hear me say, do like Nebuchadnezzar did. Now, he didn't do it in the right way, but he did it with the right motive. All right, so he has a struggle and I want you to write that down people in our world are struggling. Would you agree? I mean, how many of you look at the past and you find that some parts of your past may be depressing? Anybody say yes to that? Whether it's your childhood or the neglect or the lack, whether it's behavior and decisions that you made, there's things there that are haunting. How many of you look at the present and you are just confused? All right. It's hard to see what you need to do right now. Um, Anybody else been praying, God, give me answers, and you just really can't figure out what it is he's trying to say? You know, does that make you a bad Christian? No. Does Satan tell you you're bad for that? Absolutely. But here's what Nebuchadnezzar did in his present. His present was struggling, so he reached out for help. And I want you to write this down. Matter of fact, if you come to our Overcoming Grief class, number two, week two, we talk about how we need to ask for help. And this time through our class, we've taken a different approach. Normally we, do, we take the oldest story of the Bible, the oldest book of the Bible, Job, and we break down overcoming grief. But this time in our grief class, God has taught, just really laid on my heart to go through Jesus' process of going to the cross. And so we are breaking down in a different way how to overcome grief by what we saw Jesus endure. And I want you to understand this and I want you to get this clear in your mind. That the Savior of the world was so beat down and so burdened and so broken. Yes, he was beat down physically. All right? they they literally had whipped him with a cat of nine tails. they had this moment where they put him in isolation away from public, and they mocked him. the soldiers got oh they all came out, they made fun of him, they clothed him in a robe, they took a a, a thing of thorns and made a crown, put it on his head, they beat it with a reed into his skull, and they started saying, "Hell, king of the Jews, and they mocked him and we said this week one, you need to talk it out, you need to talk to somebody in your moments of grief why because if the devil get you isolated, he will beat you, he will mock you, he will accuse you, and he will leave you broken. That's exactly what they did to Christ. Then the next thing in the cross that you see is, is they take him after they had put this verdict of crucify him, and they put a cross on his back, and they walk down the road, and, and under the burden of the heaviness of that cross, in the weakened condition of where he was, what happened to Jesus? Talk to me. He fell down. He couldn't carry it. You know what immediately happened? They looked at Simon and they said, you are going to carry his cross. And here's the Son of God, the Savior of the world, going to accomplish the most magical, supernatural, wonderful accomplishment that's ever happened on the face of the planet. He's going in a war declared against sin to defeat sin once and for all, defeat Satan once and for all. And on his way, he can't make it there on his own. And the people that loved him were in hiding. The people that should have been there ran away but a complete stranger was assigned the task of helping him carry his cross. If the Savior of the world, the Son of God in physical form, cannot find the strength to carry the burden on his back that's necessary to carry and cover the sin debt of the world, then you and I are gonna have moments of our lives where the struggles are so big, the burdens are so big, the breakdown is so real that we're going to need help. But one thing I've learned about Christianity is at some point, we have taught humbleness in such a wrong way that people think, that to ask for help is arrogant or to ask for help is wrong. And so we have taught fake and pretend when we need to be touching that sometimes you're going to have a struggle that keeps you up at night and the best thing you can do is say, I need somebody to talk to. And Nebuchadnezzar gets up and he says, hey, He goes to the next one. He called in his magicians, his enchanters, his sorcerers, his astrologers, and demanded they tell him what he had dreamed as they stood before the king. Now, I'm going to break down verse number two like this. There's a lot of people today that got up and read their horoscope. A lot of people today looking at the stars trying to figure out their future. This verse is a very good verse to tell you that that is worthless. He got all his astrologers. He got all his people together. And I'm not trying to come against you. But I'm just simply saying this, if you're looking at the newspaper and today's astrology report, and if you're looking at the horoscopes today to try to figure out how good your day's gonna be, you have forgotten that you cannot find who you are in the opinion of somebody else. You need to get who you are from the God that created you to be, who he made in his mind you to be. And so understand that in this verse, we see that a lot of people are turning to the world and the world tactics to try to deal with their fears and confusions of today and to try to deal with their anxieties and their paralyzed state about tomorrow. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Daniel, way later in the chapter, comes before the king and and he says in verse number 26 and 27, the king said to Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? And Daniel replied, there are no wise men. There are no enchanters. There are no magicians. There are no fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. So now I tell you your dream and your vision that you saw laying in your bed. I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you're in a verse one season of your life. I don't know if you're looking out and you don't understand your marriage. You don't understand your kids. You don't understand your finances. You don't know what's going to happen. Maybe today you need to understand that there's not a 12 step book that'll help you. And there's not a self-help book out there that'll change your life. But there is a God in heaven that knows exactly where you are and exactly what you're going through. And today, he wants to give you a word. He wants to speak to your needs. I'll say this, and please write it down. In your past, you will find every reason to quit. And in your future, you will find every fear to quit. In the present, you will find the strength you need to get through this moment. If you're living... Yesterday, you're depressed. If you're living tomorrow, you're anxious. Am I right? Come on now. I mean, you can lose a whole sermon. You can lose a whole day thinking about tomorrow. You know, and, and, and I've told you this so many times. I'm going to echo it again today. 99.9% of the sermons that come out of my mouth are sermons that God has spoken to my heart. And 99.9% of them, as they come out of my mouth, I have not really ever even gotten settled in my heart. It's something I'm working on. How many of you preach and teach and you realize a lot of times you're preaching through what God's working through in your life? Anybody see that happen? Matter of fact, if it's not that way, maybe you need to hang up preaching. Because maybe you're trying to build sermons on your own, and maybe you're trying to pretend you're something you're not, and I promise you what's going to happen is you're going to fall apart. It's. I I told somebody the other day, I took them, uh, they were in my office with a couple other people, and and, uh, they were talking about, we we were talking about spotlight. And one thing I've learned about the spotlight, especially in Christianity, is it does not make you look good. It actually, it it, it hones in and points out the uh, insecurities or the flaws that you have. And so the more that you stand in a single phase of preaching the gospel, even they wrote in the New Testament this way, that don't desire it. You shouldn't desire the office of preaching and teaching because you're held more accountable for doing it. You know what that simply means is God's really going to gut you and expose you to show himself through you so that not just the words that come out of your mouth can be heard, but the evidence of God and what he can do in your life can be seen. And at some point of our lives, I think we've got that messed up in the church to where we think that we come in, we sing kumbaya, we hold hands, we pray Pray, we pat people on the back, we walk out the door, we've checked in, we've checked out and we think that we have accomplished something spiritually. But the truth is is church should be people coming together ripping their hearts out and saying, God I'm in need. I did not come to church today thinking that I was something the church needed. I came to church today because I know in my heart I need God's people to stand with, walk with, learn from watch and see what God's doing in your life because sometimes it's evidence of God in your life that helps me believe that there's still evidence of God in mine. And so in there, we step in and we say, hey, stop going to all the opinions of your friends. Stop going to all the the Facebook posts and blogs and vlogs and all the things that are out there on Instagram that says this is how it should be. And go to the word of God because only there can you find the true answers to what it is that you're struggling with today. People are struggling and I think so many times we're trying to give them two things that are actually hurting them, not helping them. Ready? Here it is. Write them down. The two things you should never give somebody to help them heal. Number one, your opinion. Well, I think, oh, no, we're in trouble. How many of you have ever found that the times that you're thinking and making the decisions, things don't go as well as they should? Anybody else like that? Well, I think I once heard somebody say, the only time we have problems in our, our, our company is when our secretary starts thinking she should make the decisions. Now, that's not here. But I, I, I heard that. And I was like, man, that's mean. But what they were saying is, it's not your opinion that runs the business. It's what's best for the company, what's best for the people. That's what runs the business. And in any moment, and in any circumstance, I can think one way and it not be right. Matter of fact, how many of you have heard this? There's a way that seems right to man, but the end is destruction. How many of you have heard that verse? How many of you have lived that verse? How many of you think God wrote it about you? All right, like that's the thing. Like there's a way that seems right doesn't make it right. Yeah, just because you think you should say something, sometimes you just need to keep your mouth shut. Your opinions won't help people. Uh, Number two, your experiences. You know, you say, well, I've been through this so I can help people. I, I, I tell people this all the time. No matter who you are, no matter what shape you are, no matter how wise you are, no matter how old you are or how young you are, what you went through does not necessarily match up with what somebody else is going through. Number one, you're not the same people. And even if Derek and I experienced the same event, we would experience it differently. Why? We process differently. What's a big deal to me might not be a big deal to you. What's a big deal to you might not be a big deal to me. Matter of fact, can I give you a help here with your kids and your wife? You, 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 I'm going to tell you the the time that somebody's going to feel mad. You're going to make them mad every time you they feel slighted, they feel used, or they feel neglected. They're mad every single time. You say, "Why is everybody so mad at me?" Are, are you slight? slighting them? Means you're belittling their feelings. I, I, I want you to get this statement. Just because it's not your fear doesn't mean the fear's not real. It's like the people that want me to walk up to an edge of a cliff. It ain't happening. I have a fear of heights. And you know what they always say? Oh, it's no big deal. Just try. That's because it's not a big deal to you. It is a big deal to them. Worst thing you can do in an argument or a disagreement is try to make the other person that feels the way they feel, feel like they shouldn't feel the way they feel. I could not say that again if I wanted to. But the reality is, as we look at them, we're like, well, you shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't think that way. How many of you have ever heard those statements? How many of you felt better after hearing those statements? How many of you felt more messed up after hearing those statements? How many of you have ever just needed to talk and you're telling your story of how this is happening in your life and your dog did this or your kid did this? And all of a sudden the person thinks, well, I know what you're going through. How many of you have heard that statement? And then it doesn't turn into, this is what God says about your situation. It turns in about the one time that they went through this. And does that heal you at all? No. Can I learn from your experiences of life? Yes. But can I experience life like you have experienced life? No. You know what I need? The grace of God. And the grace of God is when he comes and meets with me, when he meets with you individually, and he gives you the steps that you need. This man is asking for the opinions of everybody he thought was smart. He got all the wise men together, and he got all of them in the same place, and he started asking them, and he did this. He said, tell me what my dream was. There's a smart move. Matter of fact, can you write this down? Number two, not only are people struggling in our world, um, people need answers in our world. Would you agree or disagree with that? How many of you say, I would love it? If, if there was a, a letter that God would send me right now telling me exactly what I need to do in my marriage or in my home. How many of you would say, love it? Yeah. Well, he gave you the Bible. But the thing is that sometimes we don't know exactly where to go in the Bible when it is this day. How many of you have ever aimlessly just read through the Bible? Anybody done that? Like, God, I need something. I need something. And I'm just, if I'm on my digital, I'm just swiping. If I'm in my actual Bible, I'm just flipping. Anybody ever done that that prayer roulette with the Bible where you're like, God, I'm going to open the page and you're going to open it to something I need today. Boom. How many of you have done it? Come on. All right. And and then been so disappointed when you ended up in genealogies and you're like, God, there's nothing I'm getting from this. You know, God doesn't work that way. Like, can he work that way? Yes. Does he often work that way? No. You know what God rewards? The diligent seeker. He's a rewarder of those that are diligently seeking him. Not the ones who have all the answers, not the ones who know every verse, but the ones that get up and say, I'm not having a good day, so I'm gonna seek God. I'm gonna seek his opinion. I'm gonna seek what he wants and what he he needs to say to my life today. And if I don't find it in the chapter or the book of Bible I'm reading today, then I'm gonna tune my podcast in to some different sermons. I'm gonna keep seeking today, knowing that in some shape, form, or fashion, whether it's through K-Love or my Apple playlist that has all my Christian songs in it, whether it's through a lyric of a song or whether it's through a text message from a friend, I'm going to be looking for God to communicate with me because I know this to be true. He wants to today. And so they bring all these wise people together. Read with me. The king responded to the astrologers, uh, verse number five. Let's go to verse number four. I find verse number four flattering. Matter of fact, it's highlighted in this because it brings a very good point that I want you to get in your life. Um, y- y- when you're dealing with life and, 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 and you need truth, and remember, we're going through these two things and we're saying, hey, that people are struggling and people are looking for answers. We need to understand that the answers oftentimes don't come from friends because friends try to tell you what they think you need to hear or want to hear rather than going to the truth of what you actually need. In your life, I, I have a counselor, John Woodward, that I send people to. You know, some people, and I, I'm nobody present, nobody recent, but about a year ago, I sent somebody over to him, and I said, you need to go talk to this guy. This guy is amazing. He's radically changed my life, and, and, and God's used him in a tremendous way, and I know he loves the Lord, right? And so they get over to him, and they come back, and they're like, well, I don't like him, and I'm like, why don't you like him? And if John's watching, I'm so sorry. They don't like you, but they, why don't you like him? And they say, because every one of his answers, he just gets the Bible and reads a verse, and I'm like, oh, so what you're wanting is somebody to sit there and say, oh, I would leave him. Or I agree. Life is hard. Give up. I'd quit my job. You want somebody to agree with you. You want somebody to affirm your bad behavior. Somebody to listen to what you're saying and just say, yes, that's what I, I would do. Oh, Derek, what do you think you should do? Oh, that's exactly what I was going to tell you. You know what that is? That's somebody that just tickles the ears. And the Bible actually says, watch out for people that will tickle your ears. with." In other words, I'll I'll say the things that make you feel good, but never give you anything that makes you good. I'll say the things that that you want to hear, but I'll never tell you the things that need to be applied into your life. Would you agree with me today that people are struggling in the world? Ergo, people need change in their lives. It's not that, hey, the world's bad and and we're just going to sit here and wait on God to change it. It's I need an attitude adjustment. I need a behavior change. I need a focus that's on something different. I need to change something in my life. It's not the world that needs to change because the world's going to continually change for the worse. I need a change in this moment to make me who God wants me to be right here and right now. And that change doesn't come from just sitting down and waiting on something to happen. It comes from making decisions. We say this in our Overcoming Grief class. You do not change. You you, you cannot want it without having some type of growth in your life. All right? And growth requires change. Change requires growth. All right? My kids are going to grow. Guess what's going to happen? Their their waist size are going to change. Their leg length is going to change. Their head size is going to change. Ergo, too, their clothes need to change. Because Lincoln right now is in this habit of wanting to wear last year's pajamas, and they don't fit. Half his butt hangs out when he walks around. And we're like, what in the world are you wanting to do? And Jordan even laughed last night and said, I think he wants half his butt hanging out, you know? And it's like, hey, dude, that was a thing in the 90s. We've moved on, all right? Like, pull your pants up, right? Like, But but if I'm putting on last year's pants, or if I'm putting in last 10 pounds, 20 pounds pants, um, they're not going to come all the way up, agree or disagree. And so understand this. A lot of people are trying to have the marriage they had when they first got married. That ain't going to work because things change in your marriage. It's not all honeymoon all the time. Anybody say yes to that? Yeah, you you, you get married, you don't have kids, you don't have all the bills and responsibilities, and then all of a sudden you go buy your first house and now things change. And a lot of people won't change. They'll go get their first house, their first car, they'll have their first kid, and they think that they can live like they lived before they had those things, and it doesn't work. And then next thing you know, we're talking bankruptcy or we're talking divorce. Because in each season of life, you're gonna have to grow. And grow means change. Ready? Write this down. You cannot change or grow without loss. You've got to give something up. Now, who likes doing that? Yeah? Okay, one. Anybody else say, I love it when I have to give up the things I like. I love it when I have to get rid of the sin that's a habit. Now, do you love the results of getting rid of sin? Yes. Does anybody like the process? probably not. I mean, if you've smoked for 20 years of your life, drank for 30 years of your life, you've shot up drugs for the past week of your life, getting off of those things isn't easy. How many of you can say, I know that's true. I've lived that in my life. Yeah, there's many hands here. Um, if you eat sugar at midnight, every night before you go to bed, you eat a little Debbie or a Twinkie or a yo-yo or whatever they are. All right. Uh, a nut or butter a fudge round, I don't know, you, 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 a bag of potato chips and a soda, whatever it is, how many of you are midnight snackers? In other words, it, you're like, it's not midnight. It's like 1130. You can get what I'm saying. It's your, before you go to bed, you got to grab something to eat. If you're that person and all of a sudden your doctor comes in and says, you're not going to eat after 8 p.m. Anybody walk out of there being like, this is going to be easy. It's not because in order to give up stuff, I got to change my mindset. In order to change my mindset, I've got to lose some of my thoughts and pick up some other ones. I got to lose some of the things I'm focused on and pick up other things. It's not easy. And, and, and you can't lose something without pain. And so we say it all the time. You're not going to change. You're not going to grow until it hurts. It's going to hurt to do so. But the truth is, is it's, it's the, the, the joy on the other side of it far outweighs the pain of change. Matter of fact, Jesus said it this way. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher, Paul wrote it, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, but now is set on the right hand of God. You know what he said? I had a plan of where I was gonna go. I saw how good life could be. I, I, I am excited about where I'm going, so I'm gonna have to go through a hard time to get there, but I'm gonna keep my eyes on where I'm going, it's a fun thing to start, it's a fun thing to finish, but the middle, not so fun at all. And the problem in our world is, is we go through struggles, and we go through pain, and we're needing answers, and we need somebody to give us direction, we need somebody to give us guidance, but when we get the direction and instruction that we do not want, we quit. We stop trying to change. Anybody in here have a testimony of 100 failed diets? Or anybody else in here have a testimony of of a, of a, a hobby that you started that's still sitting under your bed? I remember giving her a hard time. Jordan wanted to take up yarning or what, I don't even know what you call that. Anybody know? Knitting. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Yarning. There we go. It makes me look good. So we went to Hobby Lobby. We bought all this yarn. We bought all these little weird looking things. One had a hook and one was like, and you did some stuff and. She started making a blanket or a scarf, and it got this long and this wide, and it stayed that way for eight years. When we, when we moved out of our house, I picked it up, and I said, do you want to take your blanket? You know, like, it's like this, make, it became a running joke, because here's the thing, you start a hobby, but how many of you actually have time for hobbies right now? How many of you could actually finish it if you wanted to? You know what you start a hobby for? Because you realize your brain needs a release. But then the hobby takes a intentionality. It takes time. It takes a set aside. How many of you have learned that even a break is hard to find unless you make it happen? And even when you make it happen, it doesn't always happen. Lib- Libby gives me a hard time. I'll come out and I'll sit in the office and I'll say I'm going to take a five-minute break, and she said, "Then put down your phone." Because even on my break, I look like this. Anybody else like that? It's like I'm, I'm taking a break. What are you saying, Libby? Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what I'm typing, nor do I know what you're saying. I'm just trying to pretend that I'm listening. And the next thing you know, you're sending over here that you wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because that's what we were talking about. And it's like, that's not the text that I needed to send a client. The reality is, is in our lives, Satan keeps us very distracted. And and when it comes time to needing answers, he'll he'll put anything in your path that'll keep you from getting the help you need. And and, and I'm going to tell you this. Watch out for the people that just say what you want to hear. Matter of fact, verse number four, that's what they do. Long live the king. Do you think they cared about the king? No, what did they care about in this verse, in this passage themselves? Because in a decree, the very next verse, the king says, no, you're going to tell me what my dream was. I'm not going to tell you what it was because then you're just going to make something up. Let me give you some advice, and I want Christians to listen to me. Stop thinking you have to answer every question somebody has for you spiritually. And stop thinking that you have to explain every dream that somebody comes up to. You know, you say, well, I want to be spiritual. Let the Holy Spirit be the guide. Don't just say things. It's too dangerous to try to make something out of what you have no clue about. I have too many people that look in our lives and say, hey, this is what you should do. This is what I think it means. Oh, you you had a dream about a birthday cake? Oh, something good's about to happen in your life. No, no. Go to any doctor, they're gonna tell you that the birthday cake's not a good thing and and you're sitting there and you're you're, you're something good. You don't know that. I mean, it could just be that they ate a piece of birthday cake before they went to bed or it's their birthday tomorrow and they're having a dream out of subconscious and it means, here it is, ready? Nothing. How many of you have ever had a nightmare because you were so worried about something it became a reality of your dream? And then you wake up and you're like, what is the interpretation of this? Listen, I think in our world, we gotta be careful. Does God give visions and dreams? Absolutely. But I want you to understand that when God gives visions and dreams, he gives them in a way that, number one, can be totally confirmed by his word, 100% accurate with the word of God, and number two, will totally happen. They're not things that are just imagination thoughts. For a year and a half of my life, I went to bed every night and dreamed somebody murdered me. Every single night, I would wake up in panic attacks. I could walk around my life thinking that that was true, or I could walk around my life thinking that I was in a season of change, a season of surrender, a season of confession. I had a lot of fear, a lot of guilt, a lot of resentment, a lot of anger, a lot of emotions that I was processing. And when I was laying down in the bed, instead of trusting God, I was scared about tomorrow. And if you're worrying about tomorrow, you're missing the movement of God today. Because God is not working out your tomorrows so that you can figure out where you need to go tomorrow. God is working through your today to get you positioned today to where you need to be tomorrow. Matter of fact, Daniel actually goes to the king after the king says, if y'all don't tell me what my dream is, I'm going to have you all killed. And so they said, hey, we nobody. Matter of fact, the astrologer said, verse 10, no one on earth can tell the king this dream. Nobody. Verse number 11, the king's demand is impossible. Anybody else ever feel like that? That the demands of others are beyond your abilities? Anybody else ever sit in life and think, there's no way I'm going to be able to do what you want me to do in your time frame, the way you want me to do it, and how you want me to do it? Like, I'm trying, but I'm not you. You ever thought that? I can't think like you. I can't act like you. I can't do that. That's, That's literally how these astrologers felt. I almost thought about breaking down this sermon and this passage into the different types of groups of people in it. But then God said there's lessons to learn as we go through it. There's a danger in your life when you're relying on your own abilities to be impressive to others. Here's the one thing we know. Daniel in chapter number one had proven himself by him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taking their stand and saying, we're not going to eat of the king's meat, give us 10 days, we're going to come out a different. They came out different, and so what did God grant them? Strength. God granted them wisdom. God granted them abilities beyond the abilities of others. Daniel got the special ability of interpreting dreams. I'm going to tell you this right now. Chapter 2 was coming while chapter 1 was happening. I want you to understand this in your life, because I think a lot of times we miss this. We're so worried about what's next that we forget that what decisions we're making today and where we are today are positioning us with God and in the world to be able to face tomorrow. While chapter two is being imagined and this is about to happen, Daniel made a decision with food before he ever made a decision about how to go to God over interpreting a dream. And if you and I are not careful, we'll so be trying to figure out the next five years of our kids' life. So be trying to figure out our retirement. So be trying to figure out everything else. Which should we have thoughts for that? Yes. But should it be our focus? No. And we'll be so caught up in that that we'll forget that it's the integrity of today that secures the promise of tomorrow. If we have no integrity today, then why should we even worry about what God's gonna do through us tomorrow? If we don't lead today, Live today. Learn today the way that God has called us to. Tomorrow doesn't mean anything. How many of you have learned this, that God will teach you where you are to take you to where you've never been? Can I say that again? God will teach you where you are to take you to where you've never been. So what is it that you're going through right now? What is it that's around you right now that doesn't make sense, that's confusing, that's confusing, that's scary. And if you're not careful, you'll start asking everybody, well, what do you think? You know, I'm, I'm bad about that. Anybody else bad about affirmations? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll ask people, uh, my wife. I'll ask Chris. i ask Andre. Um, I, 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 did today flop? Did today fail? You'll preach a sermon you know God's put on your heart. You've prayed over it. You can't escape it. You're you're, you're trying to apply it in your own life. You're you're working it. You know it's real because you feel it and you live it. Then you get out there and you proclaim it. And the very thought that hits your head when you're done is, if you're not careful, did I mess that up? Anybody else ever preached or taught or done something like that and had that? All right, raise your hand. People need to see this. Because you know what Satan will say is, oh, you're so messed up. But that's the reality. I mean, Jesus would teach people do a miracle, then go get alone with God. Matter of fact, you find one instance when Jesus is, they wake up for breakfast the next morning and there's a line of an entire town and they look for Jesus because all these people are there wanting to hear him, wanting miracles. They can't find him anywhere. They go, they find him on a mountain and they say, Jesus, come back. All these people are lined up. And Jesus said, go get my stuff. We're moving on. Go get my stuff. We're going to another town. You know why? Because you're not to come in here and try to figure out what God is going to do with what you say. You don't need to figure out what God is going to do with the way you live at work tomorrow. You don't need to figure out what the advice that God is going to give you from his word for your friend that's in struggle and in need. You don't need to be the one, nor do I, to try to figure out what the result is going to be. We just need to know that integrity in this moment leads to stability in the next, leads to God's promises coming true. And so today where you are, be careful who you're listening to. I need answers in my life, and many of you raised your hand earlier that you do too. Be careful where you're getting your advice. Be careful what everybody else is saying. Don't let it become your, your Bible. Don't let it replace the Holy Spirit. Don't let it become your God. Because here it is, the king gets mad. And in verse number 12, he's furious. He ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's degree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handle the situation with wisdom and discretion. Where did Daniel get that wisdom? In chapter number one, with the way he lived when it came to the food. I'm going to tell you this right now. A lot of people do this. They want big stage, big spotlight. They, they want to preach big sermons to big crowds. They want to, they want to sing to big audiences. They want to, they want to do something where everybody can see. And, and, and I'll tell you this right now, if the very first time you publicly speak is in front of a thousand people, there's probably a good chance you're going to flop. You're going to fail right there. You know why? Because if you're not careful and not leaning on the grace of God, you're going to get so caught up in being perfect that nothing's going to make sense. You're going to, I remember the first time I ever preached, I preached an hour and 45 minutes, which shouldn't shock some of you. You've been through those. All right, but I, I preached a long, long sermon. And, and, and you know what that sermon consisted of? I preached every sermon I would ever could remember that everybody else had preached. That ever meant anything to me. And I tried to sound like every person I'd ever heard. It was terrible. I remember a guy that I, 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 I went to the mission with every Friday night. We would go down there and sing and preach to the homeless. He came up to me and he said, um, least, just like this, and I'm going to try to get it as close as possible. With a very stone look on his life and face, he said, he said, man, that was something, but it wasn't something good because it wasn't something real. And he said, you can be something the moment you figure out who you are in Christ instead of trying to be every other preacher you've ever heard in him. And you know why I went home so offended from that comment. My feelings were hurt. I cried. I did a terrible job. I never want to preach again. Never want to do this again. But how real is it? If Libby stands and proclaims the sermon, if, 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 if Julie came and, and opened up, if, if Chris or Omar or, or Wade or anybody stood here, Garrett, and they, they, they proclaim the word of God to you and they try to be anything other than what they are in Christ, it would not work. But the reality is, is when they humble themselves and say, it's because of who God has made me, I'm able to stand here. It's because of what God's done in my life, I'm able to proclaim anything. It's because of what God's rescued me from that I can believe in you and his rescue power in you. It's because of what God's delivered me from that I don't give up on an addict, nor do I think less of them. It's because of who God has been to me that I can stand here and say, I know who God can be for you. And Daniel was able to go before a king that had already issued his death decree. He had already said, kill them. And he stands before that king and he says, give me time. It's the same thing that the astrologers asked for. He looked at them and says, you're just trying to buy time. And you know I can take your heads. And Daniel goes with courage and says, give me time. Goes home, gets with God. And God answers the dream in a vision to Daniel. Now the vision and the dream, matter of fact, in two weeks, you need to attend Garrett's class that he starting signs of the time because I'm pretty sure this statue is gonna come up. And in this statue, Daniel comes back and he explains it to him. But I love this. Once Daniel received from God, what Daniel needed from God, the Bible says, and you can read this, Daniel went home, verse number 17, he told Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezariah. By the way, if you don't know who that is, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, I love how the Bible keeps their true identities when the world put on a different identity. That's a really good word. Right? He urged them to ask God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling him the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision, and Daniel praised the God of heaven. And and look at this, for the the next few verses, all this is, is Daniel going back to God and saying, thank you for using me. I, I, I believe not only are we in a place where people have struggles and people need answers, I believe we're in a place where people have forgotten where the power comes from. And when God moves in your life, you should have a moment of celebration toward him. And I, I, I don't know, should there be a time in church where it looks like a hospital and we should be wounded and we should tell our truths? Yes. But shouldn't there be a place in church where there's a hand in the air and a shout going up because you have seen God answer something in your life. You've seen God do something in your life. How many of you can say, yes, I got struggles, but yes, I've also seen God move in areas in the midst of my struggles. I know he's there. I've seen him. I've experienced him and I know he's good. And even though I'm scared, I'm still believing. And even though I don't know why I'm still seeking, and even though I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm still working because I know God is with me. How many of you got that in your life today? You know, and that's the thing. I believe the world would come to Jesus more if they saw the results of Jesus instead of just the beggars of the church. Instead of just the woe is me. And life is difficult, but God is good. I want you to take that. Make that your homework. Verse 20 down through verse 23. Go learn how to praise God the way that Daniel did. Verse number 24, Daniel went to see Ariok, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel said to him, don't kill these wise men. Take me to the king and I will tell him the meaning of his dreams. Ariok quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. Uh, Can I tell you this right now? I hate that verse. I highlighted that verse. You know why I hate that verse? That dude didn't find him. That dude went to kill him. And can I say this? I, I think too many times I see this happen. Where preachers, pastors, teachers are too afraid to say, God showed up in my life through somebody else. And they have to take credit for everything. I'm going to tell you this. Please write this down. If you're the one that needs credit for everything good that gets accomplished, you'll never be happy in life. Ever. And you're a liar. This verse is a lie. Ariok goes in there and he says, I found this guy. The verse prior to it says, Daniel went to see Ariok. And he told Ariok, I've got the answer. Hey, listen, you want to see a change in your marriage, you want to see a change in your family, and we want to see a change in our church and our nation. Let's be a people that can give credit where credit is due. Give praise where praise is due. How many of you can resonate with the fact That you more hear in your life what you get wrong than what you get right. Whether it be at work or in any place. How many of you say, yes, that's me? Come on, talk to me. Yeah. What would happen in our lives if if instead of talking behind everybody's back and tearing everybody down, which, by the way, gets back to their ears. You know, some of of you even sitting in this room, I'm as nice as I can be to you, but it breaks my heart every time you're nice to me because I know what you say behind my back. You know, and, and it's hard. But when we walk in and we do this, it's not, it's not about me in this moment. It's about God in me. And God didn't just tell me to be nice to the people that were real with me. He told me to be nice to the fakers too. He didn't just tell me to be nice to the friendly. He told me to be nice to the enemy. And by the way, don't come up to me and ask me if I was talking about you because I, 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 I'm just saying this and I want you to understand this. I want you to get this. If you even have to think that, then get it Right. And not just with me, with other people. What would would your husband become if you bragged on him? Your wife become if you bragged on him? Your in-laws become if you bragged on him? If they knew that you had their back instead of stabbing them in the back every time they turn around? If they knew that you were an encourager instead of a discourager? If they knew they could trust you and lean on you If they knew that you noticed the long hours, if you noticed the sleepless nights, you noticed the worries and the stress. What would happen if instead of us needing credit for everything, we gave God the glory and we were thankful for the people that God has put in our lives? I would not be where I am today without the Simons that God has put beside me to help carry my cross. And none of us would be where we are today, absent the grace and mercy of God, shown through Jesus Christ. Is there anybody else in the room today thankful that you didn't have to do this alone? That at the time of need, God sends somebody in to say exactly what you needed to hear. We need not just warriors that rise up and say, I'm not just going to tell you what you need to hear. I'm going to Let me give you the word of God. Let me give you a hope from God. Let me give you a truth of God. Let me give you a path of God. Let me give you a relationship with God. Let me tell you about Jesus. You say, well, they don't want to hear the word. And that's why they are lost in the world. The word is true. The word lasts forever. And the Bible even says at the end that his word is is present in heaven. His word is Jesus. His word is truth. His word is freedom. And absent the word of God, we are royally strewed, lost with no hope. And today, we don't need people going to the people in need of help, taking credit, and acting like you're something. I am nothing without Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God. I'm a son of God, called by God, used by God, chosen of God because of him, not me. Not my works, not what I've done. All because of Jesus Christ. And whether you believe it or not the same is true with you absent God's grace and abundance in your life we are all hopelessly broken lost and defeated thanks be to God we're not that way now kind of a weird take on verse 25 isn't it But that's where God hit me very hard in my life he said are you trying to take credit for the things the Holy Spirit's doing are you needing recognition for the things that God should be getting praise for? Are you going and trying to impress people by, by, by standing up? And this is the one thing, if you teach and you quote somebody, quote them. You know, I, I, told, I told somebody the other day, they came into my office, they're like, look what I made. Did you make that or did you get that off the internet? Well, I found it on the internet and I just tweaked it a little bit. Then give credit to the person who made it. That doesn't make you foolish. You know what? It actually makes me look at you and say, that's a diligent person. Because how many of you in here actually picked up a book and read it this week? 10%. How many of you are impressed by the people that can read? Because you and I don't have the intentions fan, am I right? Or the Imagination. So if somebody came up here and said, hey, Spurgeon said, or Pastor Chris said, or I heard Omar Eunice say, or I I heard my mother-in-law, my father-in-law say, does that make them less of somebody? No. It makes them somebody diligent. And so we sit here and Satan tries to say, it's all on you. And maybe that's just why your world's falling apart. Because it's not. And I'm thankful today for the word of God. Anybody say amen to that? But I'm also thankful for men and women of God who dedicate their time for some devotionals. That dedicate their time to write some sermons. That dedicate their time to write financial curriculum that teaches us how to honor God with our resources. I'm thankful for the people that have come into my blind spots and created material that will help me stand on truth. We need to be a church that doesn't take credit. Matter of fact, can I tell you this? I honestly believe if Christians didn't need credit, they'd stay in their churches longer. Because I believe the number one thing that makes somebody leave the church is they didn't get the spotlight they wanted. I don't know where that came from, but I'm just going to leave that. Let's let that sizzle. Y'all hear it? It's, It's there. Verse 26, so Daniel said to the king, is this true? The king said to Daniel, can you tell me what my dream is and what it means? You know what I love about Daniel? Daniel said, nope, but God can. Hey, can you, can you fix your marriage? Nope, but God can. Can you, can you stop your overthinking mind? Nope, but God can. Can you heal from the death and the loss of your loved one? Nope, but God can heal you. Can we save the world? Nope. But Jesus can. I oftentimes look at where I came from, the father I had or didn't have, or the mom I had or didn't have, and I get scared to death that I'm going to be inadequate to my own children. It hurts even more when I hear other people say it. I live my life for them and I love them the number one thing I want them to know is God is faithful. Dad is human. I don't always get it right. I I most of the time get it wrong. I don't always respond with tenderness and compassion. Sometimes I respond with my emotion in the moment, frustration or tiredness. And I'm talking from a parenting aspect. What about an employee aspect? Anybody say I do the same things too? I don't always get it right, but here's what I know. God is faithful, and they need to know him more than they know me. You need to know him more than you know me. You need to lean on him more than you lean on me. When Daniel had a chance, number two, to stand in front of the king and take credit. Number one, he's standing, look, I'm fit. And not because I'm fit, but because God told me to eat and I obeyed. Now he's sitting there and he says, hey, I know dreams. I'm smart, but not that I'm smart, but God gave me the answer to your dream and I'm standing here to obey. What if we stood in front of our churches and what if we stood in front of our families, not with the idea of look how good I am, but instead, hey, God is good and I am just here to show you who he is. Would there be radical change? Yes. I think we got to get past that. I need credit. We got to get past the, I got all the answers. And we got to get to the things that, hey, I'm not going to tell you this because it makes me look good. And I'm not going to tell you this because it's what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you this because you need, number three, people need to hear the Lord. They need to hear him speak. They need to hear what he has to say. They need to hear what he believes about them. And I wrote this and I'll close. They'll never hear from the Lord if, number one, we are not seeking him. Number two, we are not listening to him. And number three, we're not speaking for him. I believe we have a world today that instead of seeking God, we're seeking popularity. We're seeking our own stand. We're seeking, look at me, notice me. I believe we're listening. I don't know about you, but I listen to the gloom and doom more than I listen to the word of God sometimes. Anybody want to admit that with me so I'm not the only one on stage? Yeah, I do that a lot. I listen to all the negativity. I'm on three different medications right now for my anxiety. Can we just talk about that? Can we get that out there? Anybody, me too in the place? I'm I'm going to people, talking to doctors, talking to counselors. Me and my wife got a, a counseling appointment with a marriage counselor this Tuesday. You know, I think sometimes we need to come in church and we need to sit here and we need to say that it's not we're here because we're something. We're here because we're in need of something and it's God. We need Him to show us what is it's going on in the world today. What are these struggles? What are the things that people are fighting? What are we wrestling against? And I think so many times the church is creating enemies with people instead of creating enemies with the actual enemy, Satan and the demons and what they're doing. We don't wrestle against each other, church. We wrestle against what Satan's trying to do to your family. We're not sitting here trying to fight about who's right and who's wrong. We should be sitting here trying to fight because we don't want your kids to get in the hands and the fangs of a demon. We don't want your kids to come under the influence of of, of a lost and dying world. We want them under the precious blood of Jesus Christ, standing on the truth of Christ. We don't need to be a people that says, hey, we're coming because we're good and this is where you belong. No, we're coming in the name of Jesus because I am here, because I could not answer your dream. But God can answer your dream. And this is what he said. And in the little synopsis. Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed about this huge statue, which by the way, it's crazy. If, if God leads to chapter three, here's a man who dreams about a statue that gives him a nightmare that in the very next chapter builds one. It's like, how dumb can we be? We'll talk about our stupidity next week. All right. How many of you have done that? How many of you know I shouldn't do this? Oh, this, this is terrible. And this is tore it down my life. But in the very next chapter of your life, you totally forget what God taught you in chapter two. And so here he is, and the Bible says that it had a head of gold, it had silver breastplates, it had these these iron legs and all these things. And, And Daniel comes in and says, this represents the kingdoms of the world. You're the greatest kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom, you're the gold. Then he goes down to the Medes and the Persians. And then he goes down to the Greeks of Alexander the Great. And then he goes down to the Roman Empire. And he says, you're the greatest. And and all of these are going to get hit by this rock. This rock's going to come and become a mountain over this. And this statue's going to crumble. Its feet are made of clay and iron of many nations that have come together and formed alliances. Many people believe that to be the United Nations. But we got all these things that are happening. And it's a, a prophecy that's taking forward. And he says, hey, Daniel looks at him and says, this is for the future. God has had mercy on you and shown you the future. You'll be the greatest kingdom. And then kingdoms that'll come after you are going to be weaker than you. And you see it from gold to silver, silver to bronze, bronze to iron, iron to clay. And I look at that and I think to myself, wow, what a beautiful thing that the kingdoms of the world are just gonna get weaker. How many of you would be honest and say that that has happened? How many of you know where the Babylonian empire was? How many of you know the main players in the Medes and Persians? How many of you know about the locations of Alexander the Great's conquest? How many of you know today about all the things that Rome did and all the different emperors and all the things that that happened? Matter of fact, if you visit Italy Italy today, you don't visit the metropolis of Rome, you visit the ruins. Why? Why? Because the kingdoms of the world are going to come and go, but the kingdom of God's going to come and nobody's going to be able to take it down. You know what he's saying? He's saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, understand this. You're going to be the greatest of them, but it's only going to get worse from here. And then Jesus is going to come. And all these kingdoms will be shattered, but his will be established forever. What a message. What a message today. I I firmly believe, if I'm looking at that statue, if you want to go check it out in the rest of the chapter, I firmly believe we're in the iron and clay mixture to where nations have come together to try to build something but we just can't figure out how to be something great we're we're trying to hold it up but the foundations weak. the foundation the statue it crumbles and i'm telling you this right now god never fails god never fails and i don't know what struggle you're going through in life and i don't know what you need to hear today but maybe you just simply need to buy into this truth that god will not fail and I, I don't know what God has for you out of this sermon. I know what he has for me. I know what season of life I'm in. I know the panic attacks and the different things that I'm battling. And, and I'm not bringing my problems to the stage. I'm just, I'm, I want to show you my realness. I'm, I'm, I'm not your perfect pastor and I don't hold it all together and I don't pretend to. I never will. If y'all make me have to be perfect, I'll resign on the spot. Because I, I can't achieve it. But the truth is this, I need Jesus in my life right now more than I ever have. Anybody else say yes to that? Anybody else say, you know what, a little bit of hopelessness might be in my chest, but today maybe there's a little bit of courage that says, hey. No matter what the circumstance around you, at the end of the day, there's going to be a rock roll down a hill and take out all these kingdoms that have been built by the world and the kingdom of God's going to stand. And so you know what that says in my life is no matter what I'm trying to build for myself, whether it be career, whether it be relationship, no matter what I'm trying to build, that that, that God is literally going to want control of my life. And and, and, and he's going to take my statues down or I can just give my statues up. So I wanted to close with that that statement right there today. Are you you stressed and breaking because you're trying to prove you're something? Trying to figure out everything in your life? Trying to do it on your own? Pretending you're okay? And you're building this idol that's not going to stand. Do you have a statue that you're believing in today? that statue may be you, your spouse, someone else that makes you feel confident and worthy. I'll tell you this right now, truth. God will tear it down, or you can give it up. And I want to urge you today, in the name of Jesus Christ, tear down your statue and lean on the promises of God. Surround yourself with the people of God and know that at the right time, God will reveal to you the things you need to know to get through chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. Marriage, children career, you fill in the blank, addiction, loneliness. what is it? Tear down your statue and let the rock overtake your entire life. Do what he needs to do. Use you to stand in front of other people and say, oh, I can't do this for you. But the God in heaven can. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody look around We'll say goodbye online.